Welcome to Filmstrip and our Superman retrospective series. Who is he? What's his name? Where does he come from? What's he got hidden under that cape of his? Batteries? Featuring Brian. Do you like pink? I like pink very much, Louis. And Jay. To a nice guy who's about to finish last. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of films featuring the Man of Steel. I tell you, boys and girls, whichever one of you gets it out is going to wind up with the single most important interview since God talked to Moses. And now, here's Brian and Jay. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of Superman 2, The Richard Donner Cut, starring Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Margot Kidder, Terrence Stamp, Sarah Douglas, Jack O'Halloran, and Marlon Brando, directed by Richard Lester and Richard Donner, and reassembled by a bunch of other people in 2006 for video and released that way many, many years later. Brian, this is akin to the Alien 3 assembly cut that Nick and I reviewed in that series in a lot of ways. We're going to do the plot summary in a minute, and a lot of it's similar, but there's a lot of differences in this, too. There are. There's quite a few differences, actually, and most of them for the better. (laughs) Yeah, and this is your first time seeing this, right? Correct. Okay, I had seen it before, and actually, I didn't see it when it first came out. I heard people talk about it and talk about it, and I finally said, okay, I'm going to give this thing a swing and see what the deal is. And I was like, wow, okay, yeah, that's a really different way of looking at it. And I felt the same way about it. I was like, yeah, this is kind of like watching the assembly cut, though there are some differences, too, and I guess we'll get into that. But we talked last time briefly that about how Donner got moved off of the thing. The whole story is basically the producer's were afraid he was going to make a huge flop because his whole intention was he was trying to shoot two movies at once and making a movie is a you know a complete wacky kind of way of doing things anyway it's a real tough job and so weird stuff can happen but making two at once can be even harder unless it's established that it's not like these Lord of the Rings movies after the first one was a big hit they knew the next ones were going to be great they didn't know and they were so scared and so tired of fighting with him about different decisions that they finally decided 80% through the way of Superman 2 now we're done with this and they replaced him so I had never heard of something like that happening so far into production have you? No, but again, like you said, this is a different experience where they were actually filming both of them at the same time. Like, literally, Mm -hmm. they would move in and out of (laughs) Superman's 1 and 2 in the same shooting sequence, right? Yes. Um, So it's definitely a little different, and they were basically trying to put the finishing touches on Superman 2. They they took a break to release Superman 1, and it was during that break period that they had this the firing happen. So they had mm-hmm. almost everything shot. They only had a few more scenes to go, but uh, because if they if they didn't have to take that break, that he probably would have been through the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. It, it was the the stopping to promote Superman one that gave them the window to make the replacement. Otherwise, they would have been done with the thing. And mm-hmm. the only reason they reshot so much of it is because they didn't want Donner's name on it anywhere. And the only way they could get away with that is, you know, more than half of the film had to have been shot by another director. Correct. Yep. And and that's the thing to know. I mean, you know, the director directs the movie, and it, it depending on the size of the thing, but on a movie like this particularly, you've got second unit directors, you've got people shooting other stuff. You've got a lot of people shooting the movie. 
There's one guy that's sort of leading the charge of it, but by rule will shoot more than half of it himself because that's the director's guild rule. So that they had to go back and redo and then reimagine, I guess you'd say, a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we got here. And we talked about last time is, you know, really different tone, much more comedic, much more campy. And this came about after years and years of people saying, oh, we wish we could see what Donner had in mind, blah, blah, blah. And they finally went back and dug up footage they thought was lost. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is lost, but there was enough of it that longtime editor Stuart Baird and several others were able to piece together, along with some of Lester's stuff and what Donner had left behind, things to give us this experience. Yeah, there's only a few scenes where it's test footage, which you cannot tell which ones they are because it's really funny to look at Clark go from this shaggy-haired guy to this really <laughs> slick-haired guy who looks like he's anorexic all of a sudden. But yeah, you can yeah. you can totally see uh, when they had to use that, but it, it's only a couple scenes, I think, and it's not as bad as it could have been. But uh, the other thing, too, is that uh, John Williams' score is back in this one. They, they got rid of whoever the other guy was. I guess before we go any further, Brian, we should do a plot. So, all right, so we see the scene from the first movie where the three criminals are banished to the Phantom Zone, and we see they witness the destruction of Krypton, which puts them on the same trajectory as Kal-El's escape craft heading to Earth. We flash forward through scenes of the first film, and we see Superman hurl one of the test missiles into space, which blows up and collides with the Phantom Zone, releasing the three Yay! prisoners, just like you wanted, Brian. So no Makes more sense. stupid, no more France, no more hydrogen bomb, no more terrorists. That's all gone. Lex Luthor escapes from prison uh, and sneaks inside of the Fortress of Solitude, where he learns of General Zod's plan and goes on a search for him. Lois Lane suspects Clark Kent, of course, to be Superman and puts him through a series of tests until she he finally admits the truth to her after she tries to shoot him, <laughs> but later reveals it's a blank gun. We'll get there. Superman, unaware of Zod and his two companions, takes Lois to the Fortress of Solitude, gives up his power so he can live as a human with her. However, as Clark learns of Zod's plan to enslave mankind, he returns to the fortress to reverse the transformation. Superman goes back, has the fight in the city again with uh, Zod and his cronies, gets him back to the Fortress of Solitude, does the same bit to siphon their powers away, and defeats them and Luther with relative ease. And in a final scene repeats the time travel flight from the end of the first movie so that the Kryptonians never escape the Phantom Zone, Lois never learns he's Superman, and Lex Luthor never escapes prison. That is about as good as I can give you, Brian, Mm -hmm. for a plot summary of the Richard Donner cut of this movie. You know, Jay, there's a lot of really good in this, and the movie as a whole feels like an actual sequel to Superman 1, whereas the other one did not. However, there are some pretty stupid things in this one, too. Um, <laughs> so we'll get to all that. But overall, um, the feel, Jay, right off the top of the, of the, the movie, the feel is so much more like it's the correct sequel and so much more like a real movie compared to what we had last time the repeat of the opening or the of the scene i thought was a little odd but they did it in different shots which made it a little fresh it did and it also let you know how they got there too like it was much more deliberate that the explosion of the planet put them on the same trajectory as kal-el mm-hmm. and so they they were behind him but that's how they wound up in earth you know yes. and, all, and all that kind of stuff and 
I, I'm going to go along with what you said there, Brian. I agree. The tone is is much closer because again, you get the same director, so you figure the tone's going to be the same. And it's because they open up with something very serious instead of open up with kind of the campy flash through of the first movie, which they're still going to do. They open up reminding you of, oh, remember these people mm-hmm. from two and a half hours ago? Well, now they're back. And they're who we're going to have to deal with this time around. I liked that. I thought that was an effective way to get us into the film and then to do the flash forward of everything that happened in the first movie. Yes, I agree. I thought it was uh, a much better way to start the movie off. And you got a very good reminder of who we're going to deal with in this episode. We're finally going to see what's going on with these criminals. They're going to play a part. And I like that as well. I thought it was a nice way to kick it off. I mean... Could they have done it a little differently instead of repeating the scene again? Sure, but I wasn't offended by it. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't ridiculous, and it's Jorel doing it again. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's again in line and in continuity with everything that we've seen before. And as you exclaimed during the plot summary, it the you know the launching of the two missiles or whatever. It's when he throws that missile into outer space yes. that they get freed from the Phantom Zone. Now, I had this whole laugh to myself watching this because. It just hadn't hit me before that there's like a radio commercial now about uh, it's all it doesn't take a hero to be a, a step parent or whatever. But the whole bit is that this superhero throws a bomb into space and it blows the moon up. Everybody on Earth is like, no more tides, no more dances by the moonlight. Thanks a lot. And I realize now it's a riff on this. And it may, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. If you're going to throw a nuclear missile in space and it detonates, I sure hope there's nothing around because yeah, no that doubt. could go badly. You know, that just doesn't happen, and then everything's cool. You, know, <laughs> you wouldn't problems. think, right? <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, it's right. Space. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who cares? Maybe in the '80s, we didn't care. So what yeah, if Mars know. is gone? <laughs> Who needs it? <laughs> the moon. Who needs the moon? <laughs> ah. But yeah, I mean, that's the whole bit. But I like that that's, that Superman is directly responsible in in a way that it just feels better. It's better than we have to contrive another way for him to throw another bomb into space. He's already thrown one into space. Let that be the thing yes. that frees the Kryptonian criminal. Yes, exactly. It also changes something else. You talked about before, you didn't get how Lois was so infatuated with him and he was so infatuated with her in such a short time. It's a really short time. It's like yes. the next day. Exactly. <laughs> because that, that that's happens, the thing that right? happens with that is that, yeah, him throwing that bomb into uh, the missile into space and the missile being the reason that they get released from the Phantom Zone shortens that time frame a lot. A lot. It's like next week. Correct. And then all this happens. So it's, uh, it's kind of short. <laughs> it is, and you know, we let's talk about some of the differences here. We get past the credits and and get into the actual movie itself. Like you said, there's no Paris bomb threat, whatever. Lois isn't stupid. Uh, we don't get the orange juice scene, thank God. Uh, oh, they again. dropped that. Oh, yep. We get a nice little scene in Planet Daily Planet where they're explaining the whole trip now, so we get a little more on that, and then we go off to Niagara Falls. Now, what I thought was really interesting with the Niagara Falls scene, Jay, is it's very similar to, um, well, it's exactly like the scene that's in the other one, except for they cut it up a lot. So we get the whole you know, a lot of a lot of couples I see are holding hands. Maybe we should hold hands, Lois. We get all that garbage, <laughs> and we get her asking for hot dogs, 
and a freshly squeezed orange juice, which isn't explained in this one, so that doesn't make as much sense. But she wants a freshly squeezed orange juice and a hot dog. Clark goes off. The kid falls, blah, blah, blah. But that's it. Once he leaves and she's like, Superman, mm-hmm. I'm here. It's me, Lois. We're, you know, Once that happens, it's cut. We're done with that. So we don't get the attempt by her to uh, prove that he's Superman, which I think um, is a miss for this cut i think they should have kept that in because it shows that she's been attempting to uncover him as superman before instead we flash forward into the scene that's cut in from the uh, uh the um test screen shots of mm-hmm. her getting the reveal so it make to me that was a, a hard cut that made no sense if they would have kept the niagara falls incident with her jumping into niagara falls and him saving her as clark kent in it would have made a little more sense to have this scene afterwards where she still believes that he's Superman and proves it. I do not disagree with you. I think you're right. But I think for the purposes of what this is trying to be, which is Donner's cut, that wasn't in something he wanted. And you have to admit that plays much more comedically in the, in the Lester film. And you know, whether, whether they like it or not, the tone of that, didn't fit with where they wanted to go and so they cut it but it is a harsh jump you're right it's like all of a sudden we go away from this and now we're at the part where she's basically accusing him of i know you're superman and i'm gonna prove it and she pulls out a 38 i i was just gonna say that i would disagree that it's it's comedy i don't think that's comedy at all i think that makes a lot of sense to the plot of the movie and i would assume that it was shot by donner in the first shooting of it because that scene looks all pretty much identical to what it was in superman 2 so i I assume donner Mm. shot the scene with clark kent not turning into superman on purpose so to cut it could have been to cut it out makes no sense now i get cutting out the whole going up to the hotel with the idiot bellhop and everything else that makes sense to me but uh i would have kept that piece in to show that she's trying to prove that he's superman because otherwise she's just all of a sudden come to this decision that he's superman based on the fact that uh he took off his glasses because they were foggy right but uh, let me ask you this she shoots the gun you know he has to admit i'm i'm fine clearly but then she's like, but it's blank. So I'm like, wouldn't Superman also know that nothing came out of the gun to hit him? Mm, you would think. Uh, <laughs> but, but not necessarily. The way he plays not it. Not necessarily, I mean, though. Because it would have it would have probably bounced off of him, right? Now, we remember back to Superman 1. The only reason that he caught that bullet was because it was going at Lois. Had right, it just been right. coming to him, he probably wouldn't have reacted the same way. So I don't think that he felt would have felt the bullet hitting off him because it looks like it when the villains are getting shot up and everything they don't feel this stuff hitting them so oh, I don't that's know an interesting that point. i hadn't thought about it like that yeah well the, that's the reveal though now let me ask you do you like that then better than him tripping over the bearskin rug by a thousand times <laughs> it's so much better it makes more <laughs> sense but again i think that taking that scene where she's trying to prove it beforehand out because she's never really tried to prove that clark kent is superman at all in the in Superman 1 or in Superman 2 now. Instead, she just goes in to prove it right away. So it would have been better to have her try to approve it a couple times before doing the reveal to me. But again, the reveal is much better. It makes more sense um, as far as a reveal goes to shoot at him. Now, I like 
the line from Superman, well, if you would have been successful, Clark would have been dead if I wasn't actually Superman. But the whole thing with the blank was, was a good move. Yeah, well, I knew that, that something was coming out. I was like, God, there's there's something that I couldn't remember all of it. And then she was like blank. So I was like, oh, okay, that's it. It is better, but I'm with you. It probably needed a little bit more. Well, it did need a little bit more setup. That's setup, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Zod, Non, Ursa, they still go to the moon. They still destroy the the moon thing, learning of their superpowers, and they go to planet Houston, as they say, but they destroy the town, but they don't do nearly the same bit of machinations that they did the last time. Right. There's no bar fight. There's no bar fight. There's no snake in the grass. There's none of that stuff. There's there's actually, you know, they, they, Non throws that light and, like, blows some kid up with it, which is a lot darker. And I want to say yeah. this. I think that is a better way to do this. These people were played off as buffoons for the most part last time. They're actually mm-hmm. kind of, you know, a threat pretty well the whole time they're on the screen now, and I like that better. Their part is truncated, but you have a reason to fear them more, other than just realize that Zod's surrounded by a couple of idiots. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They're much more imposing now in this cut, but here's what I didn't like. So we get the same scene with them landing on Earth and the guy drinking his coffee and throwing it out because he thinks he's seeing things and you get the snake bit and everything else and you even get the cop scene it's a little shorter in this one but that you get the cop scene then it just automatically cuts to the fact that they're destroying this town you don't get any setup for them destroying this town they're just there's a reporter talking about how the town's under attack by three people blah 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 blah, blah. and it just to me that again another hard cut that didn't make sense we should have built something up or shown them coming to town and literally destroying something first yeah i, I didn't need the, the the stupid bar fight no. or any of the other stuff but i'm with you i needed to see them build into at least blow one thing up and then i'm like okay fine you destroy the rest of the town i don't need to see it yeah you know but it, the fact that it's it just jumps ahead like you say you're like well oh, that would have been cool to watch you know because i'm watching a lot of other stuff <laughs> but i'm not seeing this that's the thing is this that's why i said at the outset i don't know that you can watch this thing as a film more than you can watch this is like a what could have been yeah. like a historical document. This doesn't play like a movie. It's matter of fact, it's so disjointed. It's hard to really watch a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it is disjointed. I agree, and, and but I I think it. It had a lot of potential, I would say. And if they just would have kept a few small details in there, and I understand that Donner didn't want to keep anything shot by Lester in this movie because he he absolutely is just pissed about the whole thing still to this date. And, and understandably so. But there are certain pieces maybe that should have been kept in to help make the flow a little better. Because this could be a good film itself instead of just a here's pieces that should have been in but weren't or here's how i would have cut this scene and that and it doesn't have the flow that it would have it could have had that flow had they just let a little bit of that in not the whole everything but a little bit of that kept in i agree i I think the flow is off but again we're still hitting some of the same beats Mm -hmm. you know that's the thing and then we go back to Superman taking Lois to the Fortress of Solitude. Now, this is a different thing for me because I and re- tell me if I'm just misremembering it. But before Clark and Lois go to the Fortress of Solitude to ask Clark and Lois, in this one, he just goes as Superman, like he's in his gear the whole time, right? No, I believe they go as Clark and Lois in the first one too. But he also takes off and goes gets 
flowers and dinner and all this other garbage. And this one, they just cut to them eating. It actually finished eating dinner. So we just assume all that happens instead of having to see it all. That's just how it goes. Which together. I thought was better, to be honest with you. I mm-hmm. thought that one was a cut that made sense. Like She says, let's go to my place. They go. And we see them eating dinner after all this chaos that's going on on, on uh, where in uh, Met- Metro- uh, East Houston. Yeah, all all that stuff in Idaho is going down. They, they're completely unaware of because they're lost in their own Correct. world up here. So Superman decides he wants to be human, and he learns of how to do that from his father this time, not the mother. How did you like the way that played? Well, much better. It made more sense. But like I said in the last episode that we did, uh, everything that we've seen up to this point was all Jarrell telling him things. And never anyone else was introduced to this. To have mom come in and to have this other council member giving history lessons made no sense to me. So to have it actually be Jarrell this time was great. And I like how they did it too. They had the head at sometimes, and then they had full body Jarrell there. Like he's almost right there with him. I thought that was really yeah. cool too. And, you know, we missed a little bit here uh, when Luthor comes to the, the solitude. He also sees Jarrell as well and learns things and interacts differently with Jarrell, which I thought was kind of cool. And the funniest part I thought was Miss Tessmacher flushing a toilet. Well, here's the thing, and this is something to note. Gene Hackman didn't shoot a single extra thing when Richard Lester took over Superman 2. So everything you saw of him in the Superman 2 was shot by Donner, yeah. including all of this stuff. This stuff just got cut. Correct. You know, in a different way. So that's why Luther seems to just sort of appear and disappear in and out of the Lester movie. In this one, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense how he's there and what he knows and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I'm with you. That I like that. And I just like that Superman has a toilet in the North Pole. Yeah, I thought that was pretty I think funny. That, that is funny. But that, uh, that's actually good humor. Yeah, that that would have worked as humor in either one. That's better and, than some of the other stupid stuff that they try. So yeah, this this. But anyway, go back to yeah. Superman talking with. Uh, with Marlon Brando or with uh, Jarrell back to that whole scene. Mm-hmm. This was so much better in this version than it was in the other version. It was explained a little better. It was shot better. I liked the fact that Lois was sitting up there watching the whole time in a faraway shot instead of like focusing on her. Yeah. This was, this was all about Jarrell and Kalel talking about what he would have to do. And I thought that was, it played so much better in this version than it did in the uh, Lester version. So I liked that piece um, and then, you know, it's just having Marlon Brando there gave much more credibility, I thought, to the whole idea of the crystals and everything else. Like you've said, he's been the one that's revealed everything so far. Why would it not be him at this point? And the, of course, we know the answer was money, but that, I mean, it, it plays so much better this way. Just mm-hmm. plays totally different and makes so much more sense and is much, yeah. much more entertaining to watch than what we got last time. But the transformation goes down the same. He, you know, he makes that choice, steps in that chamber and red lights later, you know, Superman's ready to turn on the red lights with Lois. <laughs> well, in this one, they don't actually mate. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Yeah. Well, OK. <laughs> well, they don't show them in bed. I'm glad you mentioned that. We don't see them snuggling in bed without clothes on. Like we did the right. last time. Okay. Correct. Now, that is why I'm going to go ahead and say this because it's well known that 
Superman Returns, which we're not going to get to for a couple more movies, is supposed to be a direct sequel to Superman 2. And the, the question is, which Superman 2 is it a sequel to? Well, I'm going to tell you now, folks, it's not a sequel to this one. Well, yeah. And this is one of the reasons why, because we don't see that. We we'll get there when we get there. Of course there, it's so. not. I mean, of course it's not a sequel to this one, because this one came out after mm-hmm. that, but still. Yeah, yeah. but the, <laughs> the point the point being, they didn't even go off the, the idea of the script. You know, the, that... It's a total change of things, but we don't see them mate. You're right. So yeah. I, that throws out my whole theory of why he would do it. So, exactly. that, I, that I went on and on. Denied. About I was just, I was adamant that Richard Lester was all about that. And maybe he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that, he was. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. And I don't know that he'll exactly. ever tell us. Exactly. But that's, that's where we are with this. But yeah, okay, all this is going on. And of course, completely oblivious to this, they are that the three Kryptonian criminals have come to Earth to take over. Well, and let's talk about quickly the White House scene because it's a lot different than the White House scene before. There's all the same pieces are there, but they added a bunch, like the massive shootout at the White House. I mean, honest to God, they blow the crap out of that place. <laughs> Brian, i j- not kidding. Two weeks ago, I saw Olympus Has Fallen. You know, and I wrote about it on our Facebook page and, and all that stuff. I get my little review of it or whatever. And th- in that movie, spoiler alert, the White House gets shot to hell. All right. Everything in it gets blown up, essentially, except the basic structure of it, ultimately. But I, when I was watching this for this review, all I could think was, oh, my, Olympus Has Fallen stole this from the Donner Cut. Yeah. Because <laughs> it felt the same way. Wow. A firefight in the White House. Well, you know what, though? I like that, because what did I complain about last time? It's like we it was Jar Jar Binks. We just laid down and quit. <laughs> you well, know, it was yeah, over. I know. Well, here's my thing. Okay, so they're, blowing, they're shooting at them with all these guns and whatnot. Did they use a bazooka or a rocket grenade launcher yes, in the White House? They pulled an RPG. Yes. Now, that I was like, you know, we probably don't fire the rocket-propelled grenade <laughs> inside the Lincoln bed. No, That's I, I probably so. a good <laughs> Yeah, I just don't think that's what we do at any time. got some heavy artillery on that Secret Service. I mean, wow. Everything else, basically, that happens is very similar to where it was in the Lester film. So we move on from that. We get back to the same diner scene, which I was hoping wasn't going to be in there, but it is. Oh, I know. See, that's the thing. And I'll say this. I I did watch a little bit of the commentaries. Richard Donner says... At the time, we thought this was really funny. I realize now that it's incredibly stupid, but oh, here it is. It's got to be there. It's what we do. Yeah, Every, you know the crowd was kind of sad it, by whatever. That, but... Yeah, but I was, I was too. I was like, I don't think I needed this. But you know what? We had to have something. Yeah. Um. Well, no. You know what though? I, I almost would have been like, it would have been better if they had gotten back to Metropolis, and. It, then they realized how crappy the world now was because Superman wasn't around to protect him from these alien criminals. Yeah, or some other way to reveal it. But of course, if that's what they shot, that's what they shot. They couldn't really change it at that point. But no, uh, no, no. I know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, like it, as a story point, if we could, yeah, you know, do oh, yeah. time travel flight and go back, we'd fix that. But, good point. <laughs> 
We're going to get to that. <laughs> anyway, so all that all that goes down the same, right? The General Zod calls yeah. out Superman, so he goes back to the Fortress of Solitude. Now, here's where it really is cool. He returns. The green crystal calls to him from a different location. Now it's sitting in the middle of the the wreckage of the, the, uh, the computer, I guess you want to call it, that he uses. It's sitting there. He picks it up, and miraculously, there's still a spot in the computer that he can put it in. He puts it in, and it fires up, and here comes <laughs> Jarrell. But I like this because in if you remember, as I said in the last one, they never explained how Superman got his powers back. Now we get that explanation. And it's something I think is needed to be explained. Well, it's another sacrifice, but it also goes back to what Jarrell says in those dialogues that he has with Kal-El. I, you know, in my wisdom thought this might come up. So here's the deal. If you want to marry a human, you have to become a human, you know. But he also mm-hmm. built in the contingency of that is like, but if you change your mind, which you probably should, the yeah. only way to reverse it is to use up the remaining energy of this fortress, which will mean you can no longer commune with me. You can never you know, come here again. This place will be destroyed. Everything that you've learned at this point, this is all you'll ever have. But if it's your last resort, do what you got to do. Yeah. And what essentially happens is Jarrell materializes and touches him on the shoulder and it like it, the father becomes the son. Yeah, he, and he does that whole bit about the prophecy, yeah. too. I mean, that was wow. I, I'm with you. That was much more effective than big shining lights. And then all of a sudden Superman's outside the Daily Planet. Correct. Yeah, this was awesome. I This is, was, was probably my favorite scene that they brought back into the film. Uh, because, like I said, it explained how Superman actually ended up getting his powers back. And it was cool. The life force of the father goes into the sun, gives him back the powers. No longer can you talk to me or any of that. Basically, everything will be gone once you do that. And what he, what does he do is he gets the powers back. He goes out a little ways, turns around, and tosses that green crystal back at the fortress, and it just explodes. It's gone. There's no more Fortress of Solitude. I know. And it's like, wow. I mean, he really had to, you know, he gave up everything for Lois. Then he had to give up everything to get back the power he had. It's like, wow. I mean, that was, it was, I don't know. I like the fact that there's a loss to it, though. Like, Superman, you didn't just get to reverse this. Right. And he doesn't blow up the fortress right away, obviously, because we have to come back to it. But that's kind of the, the gist of it, is that he knows that it does no good for him anymore after this. He can't. What's the point of having it if he can't use the crystals now to call on his father or, or learn any more details? He can just hover above Earth if he wants a place to hang out, you know, <laughs> besides his apartment on Fifth or whatever, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I like mm-hmm. how all this goes down, and it's it's much more effective. So when we get back to the mainland, I guess you'd say, then we get thrown into Lex Luthor arriving at the White House and informing Zod about, you know, Superman is Jor-El's son, and he wants mm-hmm. exchange for... Australia and all that goes down to the Daily Planet again, you know. Yeah. Um, this, this and then, then we get then we get the the Good. fight. We get the fight, uh, and we, while it's not as bad as the first one was, uh, it's still pretty crappy. The whole going into the Statue of Liberty's torch and busting that up that was really ridiculously stupid. And uh, again, a lot of it's similar to where it was before, just really slow, really stupid. The same things happen. Superman runs away, blah, 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 blah. Well, again, he goes away assuming that they will follow him. That's the whole bit. 
you know? Yeah, now, yeah. But here's the thing. Because we set up all that time of him hanging out at the fortress and all this stuff, when he goes back, and the same ending essentially happens, with, with an exception that we're going to talk about. When he goes back and sets him up, essentially, I believe he had time to figure out how to do that and that he set it up at that point. I don't know that he knew Luther was going to be a part of it, but I think he said, I'm going to draw them back up here. I'm going to turn the frigging lights off and then I'm going to kick their butt. Mm -hmm. I think that the plan seems to be much more, I don't know, it makes more sense this time than it did last time. Last time I did feel like I was like, well, this is really convenient that you figured out how to do that. Well, it makes a lot of sense now because we got to see how Superman became Superman again. So we know that he was up there. We know that he had time to... He probably was trying to figure out how to get himself back in the first place and rigged up this whole thing. And now he's got it all set, right? So I agree with you. It makes more sense that this could happen in the time frame that we're dealing with because we've seen him go back and how he got turned back into being Superman. Now, what did you make of how he defeated them again? goes down the there's no spider web this time off thank the god there's none of that <laughs> yeah that was a stupid thing yeah we ba- called out and harped on <laughs> so it's the same basically for nam and ursa but it, the general's odd we get the finger crushing and then he just kind of he pushes him down doesn't he yeah basically just throws him down in the into the hole like that's yeah, it. instead yeah, of tossing him no with getting, the spider webs and yeah <laughs> yeah and all, all that other stuff so yeah there's none of that there's none of that stupid stuff so to take him out. And then the same bit with, with Luther at the end and all of that stuff. I mean, it's your treacherous snake. You know, I knew you, Luther. knew you wouldn't take a chance to double cross me, even though I've only met you and how in this timeline I've been around you for 20 minutes, basically. But I already know this about you. So yeah. whatever. Okay. We'll just have to go with it. Well, so, yeah. you know, if the timeline is what it is, we're trying to follow this prime. Luther, like, spent, what, three days in jail? That's a fast legal system, man. <laughs> well, put him in quick. very true. Yes, very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but you know, again, I'm applying way too much logic to it. But okay. So now we got to get to the thing, though. The end. This is the real, like, big, big, big difference. And I got questions that well, I hope you let's can Let's set it up first. Me. I mean, because here's, here's, here's my thoughts, first of all. I I like the they still had the balcony scene where they have to break up. I like that Lois goes to her typewriter and starts typing up the story, right? Like she's she's basically told Superman that his secret is safe with him and then goes to the typewriter to type everything up because that's how you keep a secret safe is by typing it out for people to read. <laughs> it's because yeah, right? that's why it's not safe. <laughs> because a reporter right. is always a reporter. <laughs> Exactly. So then we see all this other stuff happening, right? We see the Statue of Liberty getting miraculously fixed. The Coca-Cola sign is back to normal. We see the the chief of the newspaper trying to wet his uh, uh, toothbrush, and then the toothpaste come right back in, and we're like, what the hell's going on? And, of course, all of a sudden you see Superman once again reversing time to fix everything. So here's my problem, Jay. Okay. Again, same as last, uh, Superman 1. He goes and reverses time. Why does none of that stuff happen again? And now he's just taken the villains who he's killed, put them back in the Phantom Zone, and threw them back into space. What is that purpose served? Here's the real hole of this, Brian. In, in the, all the reversal of this, the danger of the missiles is just kind of forgotten. 
<laughs> like, right. That's I, and and I have read. I would tell you, there's some really good fanboy stuff out there <laughs> about this, and I more power to you, folks, for for figuring that. There's all this stuff about while he's flying back in time, his other self is catching up to the other missile, and he's getting the other. There's there's all sorts of conjecture about how this goes down, but the 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 issue is that it's a hole that they had no way to fix ever. So the only thing that Donner came up with as well, if we've already established he can go back and set everything straight in the first one, we never really explained what the heck happened to the fissure that was, you know, it just stops behind Lois's car all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. How did, how did that, we didn't really explain it. So if they'll go with that, they'll just go with it. The whole point is we're just supposed to go with this. Now that aside, that's the intent of the filmmaker. I'm with you though. I'm going, wait a minute. If everyone is, if everything is happening in reverse to people and they are aware of it, does that change the fact that they know about it? You know what I mean? Because if Perry notices this toothpaste going back in, won't he be like, man, the damnedest thing happened to me last night, y'all? <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, you know, and wouldn't Lois's words start going in reverse on the typewriter? I mean, you know, all these things are getting reversed and it's still the same bit is. But it's not played it the same way because at the end, at, at the end of the first movie, the, the we said, you know, I said the whole thing there was he's having to decide which father he's going to listen to, and he decides mm-hmm. to listen to to Jonathan Kent, you know, and not do not fool with the human history, but save the people you love, do things that are special. Well, he just does that again, but we don't have that happening again in his head, right? Well, you know, and and basically it's to hide the fact that Lois knows he's Superman, which, again, makes zero sense to me. There's no reason why she she couldn't know this. It it hides that. It also, it, it puts, it puts Luther back in jail and it puts them back in the phantom zone to float around forever, presumably, and not be taken out by. Well, that's good luck. And, and now (laughs) instead of them being defeated and dead, they're alive again and available to once again, be removed from the phantom zone. That's brilliant. Um, but to to me, the bit, I mean, seriously, but it's like resurrecting the master. If you're going to do this, right. If you're going to do this, then, it should have ended with Clark and Lois being assigned to the honeymoon thing again, because that's where yeah. we started. And if we're going back to where we started, that should have happened again. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, it should have gone back to that. And Clark should have said, you know what, Chief, send Jimmy. I don't want to do this. And th- think about it. That would have made total sense. Yeah. So I was a little bummed by that. But here's another thing, Jay, is um, I don't know if you've watched any of the uh, cut info cut scenes and things like that before on Superman one and and some of the documentary stuff. Um, But they have a scene that was cut out of this movie where Lois is basically sitting there and Clark is talking with uh, Jimmy Olsen and she's drawing the hat and the glasses on a picture of Superman. I I have seen that. Another way. Yes. This would have been perfect again to fit into the Lois trying to figure out who Superman is bit and Mm -hmm. that was something that donner had uh that was his scene and he never put it back in and i think that's another loss in this that they could have put that in there and it would have made some more sense too they could have cut the whole niagara falls scene completely out if they wanted to by putting this into 
I, I agree. I, I, again, the the choices made here at the end, and that that's the thing that I'm really keep bumping back into, Brian, is that the end of this film still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't. Right. I mean, the physics of besides the physics of it all, it just doesn't. I mean, it doesn't even seem to play in the same world that everything else has been in. Everything else, I mean, for, for better or worse, they've kept a lot of things where at least they're explainable. Well, this is inexplicable. Yeah. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no way for me to wrap my head around what I'm seeing him do when he reverses time, and then nobody knows what they did. They knew a day ago, and nothing happens. Like, what? Okay, what does that mean? Luther's in jail. Mm-hmm. They're floating around, and Lois doesn't know. So, so the fortress of solitude obviously is, is back. Yeah. So, so basically, none of that happened. So he never loses the Fortress of Solitude, but he only got his power. Well, back he couldn't he because his... if he, yeah, if he, he he if he turns back time, then the Fortress of Solitude still exists. He no. he never you know what? took his powers away. All this other crap. he never took her up there. You're right. You're right. It should have gone back to them in the chief's office. Going, I got a story for you, and him going, Ah, oh, chief, I really need to go work on the city beat. <laughs> Let right. somebody else do it. Right. And then that would have been it. That would have made total sense. That could have been one line. But I know they didn't shoot it back then. But the, even back then, that would have made more sense than what we got. Yeah. So Because what we got is just dumb. Yeah. Let's just call it. Okay. That's just a dumb, cheap <laughs> ending. It's, it's just con- convenient. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. It's a better ending than what Lester did with the, the memory erasing kiss. It's still dumb. True. Still dumb. But still dumb, and that's that's the point. Well, I think we've talked about it enough. It's time to get to the point of the podcast where we give final recommendations, thoughts, and a popcorn rating. So what are yours for Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut? Well, I'm going to give this one a medium popcorn because it is it's cool. I mean, for for it fills in a lot of holes. There, like we said, there's some missing elements in there and all this other stuff, but it fills in some holes. It makes the movie make more sense. Uh, to the plot of Superman 1 and 2 coming together. Um, and, you know, overall, it's actually entertaining to watch. Uh, the fact that we get a lot of gaping holes in it would keep it away from being anything bigger than a medium popcorn for me. So that's why I'm giving it medium. I can give this a medium popcorn as well because it is a step up from what the other one is. And it's I guess it's not so far a drop from the first one that at least I can go with more of it. But it's still got problems. And it still would have had problems had it had come out this way in its day. That ending is it was a real problem. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it gives it gives people something to argue about on the internet, so fine. That's not Star Wars related, so that's okay. But <laughs> I you know, there's there's no other way to really get around it either. It's just it just is convenient. It's too convenient. And that that's my problem is I think this is too convenient. And it goes to what I have said for years. That I felt like they've only really ha- gotten the Superman right on the screen half right once. And that's mm-hmm. that first part of that first movie. You know, we, it kind of falls apart at the end for me, from some of the conveniences that happen. This one still doesn't really work, you know, for me. But I'll give it medium popcorn because it is light years ahead. But that said, I think this is a hard one to watch just for a piece of entertainment. Again, this is more you should watch it as reference point of what part two was supposed to be mm-hmm. because it doesn't exist. I mean, you have to remember going forward from here, this film doesn't exist in that, this universe because everything that happens in part three is uh, not so much plot wise, but 
um, tone wise and everything else is a direct result of the way part two went yeah. and part four, so on and so forth. And then returns because of what happens after those. So uh, that's the thing to know is that beyond tonight, we're not going to reference this anymore. I mean, this is done. So yeah. it was a neat thing to look back on though. And I'm glad we did it much like when we did alien three, the assembly cut, I think it gives us a different perspective on the film and kind of the, what might've been pile, you know, so yeah. for that purpose, was totally worth it. But, Brian, we got uh, three more of these to go, and then it's time for the big one, Man of Steel, coming out this summer. Real excited about that. Folks, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of our Superman Retrospective Series. You can find more episodes and other series in the archive section of our website, Continuous Play Podcast. Dot com. Click on the movie section. You can also find links to The Art of Slang, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, and The Fabish Factor, our general movie podcast hosted by Kurt Fabish. Lots of cool stuff coming up. Give us a review on iTunes. Catch up with us on Facebook. Let us know what you think. I'm sure you know a lot of you guys are going to have opinions about this. Let us know if we missed anything or what you read things as. We've you know, certainly just given you our opinion on a lot of this stuff. And we do appreciate your support and interaction with us on this. So until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. And that you're um, totally impervious to pain. Well, so far. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Farewell forevermore.